Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen Xer Types. From a left-wing perspective, it is Saturday, September 8th, 2018. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And there is so much to talk about that uh, we will never, ever get to at all, but uh, so much happening in the world of politics and the news and everything else, so therefore we're going to start with a movie review, <laughs> as has become our... Uh, <clears throat> Our Saturday ritual, yes. going to see a movie Friday night. Yeah, the one night we can actually like find time to do something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, date night, as it were. Date night, yeah. We we finally have one, uh, and um, so you know we usually watch these very heavy, depressing, uh, historical uh, movies. So we decided to do something a little more uh, light and fun. Uh, we went to see Operation Finale about the hunt and capture of Adolf Eichmann. So, you know, something a little more lighthearted. Uh, no. It we, is kind of our Jimmy Jam, though. We like to go see, like, yeah, movies where the only other relevance. people are, like, really old white people. Yeah, and this movie had just come out, and there was, like, five other people in the theater. Yeah. And uh, there was a, uh, a similar made-for-TV movie about the same story. Uh, centering around Peter Malkin, the guy who basically hunted him down with a team, of course, of Israeli Mossad agents uh, in 1960, 61, something like that. So just backing up a little bit, I was not familiar with this story. I knew who um, Adolf Eichmann was, but I didn't I didn't know really the history of this. This is not something that um, was really deeply covered when I was in school. And I, I had an excellent history teacher, but um, we kind of focus more on like the Nuremberg trials, um, yeah. and, and the Holocaust as, uh, as a whole. And so I didn't know this story. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I didn't know, <laughs> it's like, this is history and I'm watching it and I'm feeling like an asshole because I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to end. Um, well then it was a much more entertaining movie for you. Yes. Uh, yes it was. Because there was a lot of dramatization and they, they turned it into a suspenseful action Movie, the last half hour. Uh, there was a made-for-TV movie 15, 20 years ago called uh, The Man Who Captured Eichmann, starring Robert Duvall as Eichmann. Oh. Uh, and I think it was on HBO or TNT. I, I don't remember exactly what network. That'd be a good fit. He'd be a good... This oh, one yeah. was Ben Kingsley. Who ben was, Kingsley. I mean, as always... Um, remarkable. He's, yeah. a, he's just a ridiculously good actor. And then uh, Peter Malkin was played by Oscar Isaac. Yeah, if you uh, if you go to the movies a lot and you don't know the story, go ahead and see it. But the made-for-TV movie is much much better. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought that they could have focused more on um, why Eichmann was a monster, and so yeah. awful they sort of made him like just a jerk. Yeah, kind of an asshole and like not really like, you know, manipulative and 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 spiteful. And, and it's like he's way more than that. I, I, like you didn't need to do these sort of petty things to make the audience dislike him when he right. was the architect of the final solution. Right. Uh, but Which I, they say in the movie and they talk about how, you know, sort of <clears throat> his role, but they, they don't do really get into it and, as yeah. much as, as I would have liked because um, they no. also try to like humanize him they don't the movie doesn't try to but I guess part of the story was that Peter Malkin um did try to like get in his head and they had all these conversations and stuff so um I don't know I'm a little conflicted about how they portrayed him as a human being no the movie portrays it as a sort of a back and forth struggle and if you read Peter Malkin's 
memoirs and accounts like he was in control the entire time Malkin was and, and yeah. knew exactly what he was doing. And did not feel conflicted or not believe him or, or think any, that, oh, like it was that. just my job right. is a valid excuse or right. any of the rest of it, right? And they sort of made him a, a, have some like inner inner conflict about yeah, this a little man. bit in the movie and yeah I, which was silly yeah uh and that that really didn't happen as far as i remember now it's been years since i've read this stuff so i i could be wrong and maybe they took a fresh look at it but there's a lot of stuff i know they just made up like i'm not gonna give spoilers i guess but they, they had like a lot i think like, you can like give spoilers an, it's history well like they did an argo uh, about the uh you know the u.s embassy workers that that had to escape iran after yeah. the yeah, that was my comment. Was like the they, the they, ending was very much like Argo. Well, they yeah they made they made all that up like the last second escape and the cops chasing them and the plane barely taking off and they did the same thing in this movie and it's completely fictionalized. Right. Uh, as far as what I know of the history, so there's that and I just didn't think it was that great. I think Ben Kingsley is a fine actor and he didn't do much with the role. He was just kind of there. He was Ben Kingsley, and Oscar Isaac did even less. He's just he's there. He's Oscar Isaac. I don't know. I thought they both performed pretty well. I think, yeah. I think they Meh. they were maybe not given enough. Yeah, I don't know to who, work with who directed I, you know? the movie. Uh, I, I have no idea. I don't even remember. But not somebody big or famous like a uh, Spielberg directing this movie would have been really interesting and compelling. Right. I will say this: yeah. that um, <clears throat> sorry about my voice allergies. I guess um, I think that um. In this day and age, uh, where we are right now with this administration and with Charlottesville and with literal Nazis in the White House and marching in the streets, watching a movie about Nazis and about what actually happened and sort of as a... um, a sort of stark reminder, it's really upsetting. Yeah, it's and an important it's, reminder. It's really... Um, that the stuff never goes away. Right, and it's we're not being hyperbolic when you talk about Nazis. And I think it's like people forget or they we say Nazis so much that they're like, oh, whatever. But it's not whatever. Like, you know, between 6 and 10 million people were murdered by a government. <laughs> and... Um, those those people who murdered those people and that government and that ideology is present today in our country and becoming more and more um, acceptable. And mm-hmm. what we have to remember is that when these kind of ideologies become normalized, things like six to ten million people being murdered happen. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a reason that these movies are coming out. I mean, Holocaust movies and World War II movies and, and uh, have been come out forever, right? But... Yeah, the trial um, at Nuremberg was from the fifties, right? With uh... and when I was in high school, um, I had to read. I think it's called The Witness. Did you ever read this? It's a play based on the um, Nuremberg trials, and it's Probably, basically yeah. just a trans- transcript of yeah, the trials. Yeah, yeah, I read it. Um, and so I was like fifteen, sixteen, something like that, and and reading that, and um, I think in the same way that. Um, American education whitewashes and sort of um, glosses over the horrors of slavery. I think they do the same with the Holocaust. Um, and my history professor, who's an extraordinary man, uh, Tom Machowski, wasn't going to have any of that. So he made us read the transcripts and and the accounts of you know Cyclone B and and the mm-hmm. you know all of the things. He, we had to read it, and it was like I had to take it in chunks and like digested I couldn't read more than you know 
10 or 20 pages at a time because it's so upsetting um, and so horrifying and and, um, and barbaric and awful. And yeah. I think that was a good thing that he did. And I, I think more people should sort of expose themselves to that, especially if you're an educator. Um, I think high school is a good time to, I think throughout a child's education, we need to stop um, talking about, you know, um, the people who survived and like, you know, the in terms of slavery, like Harriet Tubman, we need to talk about the real horrors of what happened so that kids um, grow up not with this sense of um, um, kind of numbing the experience. They need to have the full um, horror of what history entails. Yeah, I think it was seventh grade, uh, we read Night by Eli Wiesel, mm. and, 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 you know, that was obviously very impactful. Yeah. Um, And... So, uh, Rachel liked the movie. I didn't. I thought yeah. it was very, very flat, very bland, very mediocre for the subject matter. Yeah. I mean, I didn't love it, but I didn't dislike it as much as you did. But yeah. I also didn't know what I was watching either. I, I didn't fully understand. Sure. Like, I didn't know that there were... He, he stood trial in Israel in yes. the 60s yes. for war crimes and for crimes against humanity and was later um hanged and that's i didn't know that yeah I'm, i didn't i know who he was in terms of the holocaust but i didn't know the after the after the holocaust story of how that happened so it was interesting maybe that's why i liked it more than you did because i didn't know what the end was going to be um anyway so yeah i mean go see it i think uh yeah go see it especially if you don't know the story uh it's important but i would recommend if you're very curious about the story to look, try to find online or on Netflix or Hulu or wherever, The Man Who Captured Eichmann, made for TV movie, because I think it's much, much better. Well, we should watch that, too. We will. Yeah. Since you haven't seen it. Okay, anyway, moving on. Moving uh, on. Oh, God. Where to start? Kavanaugh? Yep. So I guess the, that's, the, the, the Kav- just want to have Rachel yell <laughs> about things for a while. Let's do it. The Kavanaugh hearing started this week. And, um, this is the Supreme Court nominee. There was a lot of gnashing of teeth over what should the Democrats do. And there was a lot of talk of they should just walk out, which in my opinion would be really, really stupid because yep. they would just go ahead and have the hearings and with no opposition, whatever, would just make them out to be the next coming of, of Jesus and make the confirmation super easy and then like okay the democrats didn't show up so what right and they didn't do that thank god no no that was a horrible the major points of contention that the democrats have right now are are several fold but the one that it's really complicated it is so the big thing is that president trump's administration the white house um basically withheld there's a bunch of documents right because he worked for the George W. Bush administration. Yeah, he was a clerk for, um, for Bush. Yeah. Back in the day. And mm-hmm. then he was also, um, when he was confirmed for the federal bench, um, had two confirmation hearings. Um, and so his record is is long. Um, yes. And he, there's hundreds of thousands of documents that relate to um, decisions that he made and opinions that he had and, and um briefs that he provided to the Bush administration, what we call in the legal business, like opinion letters right. or briefs, which right. is um, from my legal opinion as a lawyer, this is what I think you can and can't say and can and can't do. And here are the legal limits of this thing that you are thinking about. Um, and those are important because they they go to 
how he sees the law, um, how he would interpret the law, um, what his personal biases might be, how he sees certain hot button uh, issues. Um, these are all this, this typically like the you release all of these to the Senate Confirmation Committee and they review these documents. They the, the Senate, right? They review yeah. these documents. They look them over. They have an opportunity to see them. I mean, Elena Kagan, my God, Sotomayor, they had hundreds of thousands of documents, and the Republicans had ample time to go through them and find the things that they really disliked about these two candidates, um, or nominees, rather, and, um, and, and nailed them on it, like really drilled into them about it. And ultimately, those two justices were confirmed, but there was, a, there was an opportunity for the senators to review these, the Supreme Court nominees' records. That's just the standard of how things should work. We can't confirm someone if we don't understand who they are as a jurist. And so what happened in this case was they wouldn't release all these documents, and then I think it was like 12 hours before the confirmation hearings started, they released 42,000 pages of documents. <laughs> yeah, the night before. Yeah. And no one had any time to read them. No one had any time to, to go through them or their staff. Like, they didn't have any opportunity to see what any of these documents were because they were they were going to, like, hold it up procedurally. Can I ask you something about that? Yeah. Because this guy on Twitter uh, was like, I've worked in big law a long time, and 42,000 documents uh over you know overnight that can be done it's done all the time in big law and what are you saying what <laughs> fuck you well, no you did not work in a law firm then no because that's because rachel has worked in big law in, yeah, it's in, in, in a capacity that she would be the one at least probably preparing a lot of those documents or yeah well, sorting mostly them, organizing like first them. second year associates would be like organizing like yeah like i would like receive them and then you know put them into some sort of um, categories like mm-hmm. you know and then you pass them off to first and second year associates who then further categorize them and so you could just like pull an all-nighter then... and review everything <laughs> fuck off no <laughs> well that's what this guy said and yeah. what we would do is you would go to you know the judge if we're talking about a, a case like a litigation you'd go to the judge and say like we need a continuance this discovery is a joke and yeah. you're going to give us a continuance because you can't dump 42,000 documents on us 12 hours before the well, fucking trial starts well, apparently, the judge would be like would admonish the other side who did that and sure. say no of course not fuck you what are you doing sure uh, but the, I guess this guy worked for law firms where that was routine and, okay. and had well, judges that did not grant the continuance what, but he got 42,000 documents no, at 8pm no. for a trial that started at 8am that's ridiculous re- <laughs> Can you please cite your source, sir? I'd like to see the case where that happened. Uh, yeah, and a bunch of other lawyers and people chimed in and were like, you're fucking, fucking crazy. crazy. That's <laughs> never happened. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Particularly in criminal he cases. He didn't just say it could be done. He said it was ro- fairly routine. routine. Fairly routine. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, it's, it's bullshit. Um, you know, and judges are, you know, typically come from being lawyers. So they understand, like, that's ridiculous. That's um, no way that can be done, yeah. And uh, so... The Democrats got really pissed about this, right? Yes. There's no possibility for us to have reviewed this material. Um, we we can't know what's in these documents, and this is not the complete record. There's still like, I, I think somebody said like a hundred thousand more things that we need to look at, and so it's not even a complete record. We didn't have time to to look it over. Um, I think probably as the confirmation hearing. I mean, once they received them and then throughout the first day, like they were scrambling to look through these things and find things as were the news media, right? Journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first big, like just norm shattering part of this. The second thing that they were really pissed about was um, 
if Barack Obama can't have a hearing for his Supreme Court nominee because it's an election year. Right. Why is it that a president who is a named co-conspirator in a federal criminal case able to have a nomination hearing or confirmation hearing for his nominee? What Like that just, if we're going right. to talk about the legitimacy of Supreme Court confirmations, this seems to be much more illegitimate than, say, Merrick Garland's confirmation hearing would be. Yeah, the, the media really hasn't focused on that. That was sort of a brand new thing Mitch McConnell introduced. And the media was just kind of like, uh, he just kept repeating, well, that's what he says, so okay. And no one's really talked about it much in, I've seen in, in this case. It, I mean, I have seen it all over the place, right? But not yeah. necessarily in like the mainstream media, but certainly... Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah, all our liberal friends are talking about it. Sure. All over social media, not just our liberal friends, but like, you know, liberal pundits well, and people, lawyers. Well, that's, and, that's you know, what I like, mean by friends. I oh. use that term loosely. <laughs> <laughs> um, have, have really brought that question to the front. Like, how is this a legitimate um, nomination and confirmation when this presidency may very well be illegitimate itself? Which I think is maybe um, that last argument maybe is a, is a bit much just for the current political climate I don't think that's gonna get very far to say like his entire presidency is illegitimate therefore because we're like well he's the president um but I do think it's valid that like maybe we should um hold off on doing anything until the investigation I mean it makes sense to me right because the, the yes the president nominates supreme court justices but it's the senate who confirms them Correct. and we're a cut word we're a month and a half away from an election that could determine the the complete the makeup, makeup of, the, of senate. the senate so if you're going to use like that's McConnell's a better argument logic that's a better argument than the, the presidency is illegitimate sure but it saying, was all bullshit to begin with right right and i will say this um from a strictly constitutional Perspective. I used to yell about this during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. Senate's role is to advise and consent, which basically means, like, it's it's turned into something entirely different than that, but th- the spirit of it was um, you can't just nominate anybody, right? Like, George W. Bush and Harriet Myers. Like, that. that's the role of the Senate, really, is to be like, okay, <laughs> your personal lawyer's not going to be a fucking Supreme Court judge, no. Um the way that we've politicized the Supreme Court and the nomination and confirmation process, I think is just, that's just the way it is now. Uh-huh. But I don't think that truly that was the intent um, of the of the Constitution originally. I really think it was just like prevent somebody fucking crazy with no qualifications from being um, a Supreme Court justice. However... Well, that was also the role of the Electoral College was supposedly right. not to let anybody... Crazy, crazy like, or- I don't know... A reality and, TV and, star and who's assaulted to a bunch a good of president, women. But it didn't quite work out that way, did it? I guess it didn't. No. So, anyway, let's talk about this motherfucker. <laughs> he's a piece of work, this guy. Uh, he's 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 one shaky step removed from being one of those former judge, former prosecutor, Fox News pundits. I mean, he's really just that just a hack partisan hatchet guy basically yes Yes. and look 
I've been yelling a lot. I've been yelling a lot this week. Because, as are our house words, elections have consequences, right? Mm -hmm. I want everybody to understand, and not just the listeners of this podcast, but everybody to understand that this was the whole game. This election, the whole game was this nomination. Mm -hmm. Because with this nomination comes conservative control of all three branches of government and there is no unelecting this guy there is no there is no oh well blue wave yeah, comes through and and then and then we don't have Kavanaugh anymore or no or Gorsuch okay this is it the Supreme Court is gone for a generation and what that means and I'm not fucking around it's gone for a generation we have Zero control. We may as Ruth Bader Ginsburg may as well retire. It doesn't matter. She doesn't matter anymore. It's over. It's done. If this motherfucker gets confirmed, which he will, when this motherfucker gets confirmed, the Supreme Court is basically focused on the family. Yeah. That's it. The Supreme Court of this country, the highest court in the land who can overturn and and judges the constitutionality of laws that the legislature passes. So even if we get the fucking blue wave, it doesn't matter. The Supreme Court can overturn any fucking law they want. Any law that any federal, that the Congress passes. It has to work its way up through the courts, but they're packing the courts with horrible people too. Yeah, because the, the he gets to courts. appoint these people. Yeah. Okay, so. And we tried to explain this to you, to you burning your bus people. In 2016. People. We really, really tried to explain this. And when you heard them saying, this is about the Supreme Court, even if you don't like Trump, I don't care. This is about the Supreme Court. This is what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. That was the battle cry for all the never Trumpers was don't worry who the fucking president is. We're going to get the court. And they knew how important it was. And that's why a lot of people voted for Trump. People who don't like him, people who don't agree with him. It doesn't matter. Because now when this happens, it's over. They can overturn any law they want. And, and we, uh, we don't have control. We can write, Ginsburg and Sotomayor and, and Kagan can write, I mean, beautifully written and absolutely legally valid dissents and read them from the bench with, their, with her lace thing to their heart's content and it won't make any fucking difference. Not for a generation. It's over. So when they bring up Roe v. Wade or voting rights or gay marriage or any of the fucking issues that matter to you. Environment. The environment. That you purportedly care so much about. Yeah. Environmental regulations. Regulation of campaign finance law. Regulation of ev everything that you care about. Obamacare. Healthcare in general. Deregulation. The Clean Air and Water Act. All of it. Money and politics. Money and Dark politics. Money. All of it. Done. Doesn't matter how many laws we pass. Doesn't matter. At the federal level, it doesn't matter anymore. It's fucking over. These people are ideologues. They are. In his confirmation hearing this week, he described the IUD that is currently inside my body as an abortion-inducing drug, which is straight language mm -hmm. from the fucking National Catholic League and the focus on the family and all of these anti-choice groups. He's using their language. He's using their terminology. He believes firmly and squarely that this fucker should be ripped out of my body 
and maybe you should electrocute me because I like to fuck ladies. And I mean, it's over. It's done. No gay adoption. They can overturn gay marriage. Transgender people in the military. Any gay people in the military. Gay people existing at all. Birth control could be outlawed. Just overturn Griswold v. Connecticut from 1954. Find some bullshit reason that the somebody didn't have standing or something... The court wasn't... It's uh, abortion-inducing, and we just decided abortion is killing babies, so now we can't have birth control. It's, it's whatever they say. Whatever they say. It's a fucking handmaid's tale. This is this is it. This is why... This is it. This is what we tried to desperately explain to every person who called themselves a progressive but really just didn't like Hillary Clinton or Bernie was wronged or something about the Wall Street speeches or warmongers. And the emails. And we tried, we, we really tried so hard to explain what was at stake and we were shouted over, ignored, and poo-pooed and here we are and it's yep. going to get so much worse and we will keep fighting. And immigration? But elections I'll- have consequences. It is much more than a game to let your feelings out about whatever happened in the primary and whichever candidate you chose. And I just really don't like Hillary. Cool. Like, so just so you know, like, that's it. You just you just dismantled. 50 years of progressive policy and, and progress and movement work because you didn't like a lady because of something. I, 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 here's your fucking revolution, Susan Sarandon. How's it going to go from here? Doesn't matter if we impeach Trump. Doesn't matter if we take over Congress. It doesn't matter. This is it. This is why he want. This is why people voted for him that are in the political circles. This is why nobody abandoned him. This is why they keep standing up for him, even though they know that he's a garbage, fucking corrupt Russian puppet. They don't care because this is it. The election of Kavanaugh is the whole game. No matter how secular and liberal the rest of the country is, and no matter how sixty to seventy to ninety percent of people agree with us on certain policies, it doesn't matter. Elect. A hundred Alexandria Ocasio-Ortezes and eh, pass all the laws you want. And then some bullshit fucking religious organization comes in, challenges the law. It goes through the courts. The Supreme Court overturns it and it's not a law anymore. And by the way, yeah, there are constitutional amendments. That's a possibility. That's the only way you get around the Supreme Court. And are you telling me seriously that two thirds of the state in this country, two thirds of the states in this country are going to ratify things that you believe in. You think two-thirds of the 50 states in this country are going to ratify things like making abortion legal and gay marriage and... Addressing climate change and climate protecting change voting and rights protecting and protecting voting LGBTQ rights, rights. Protecting immigrants. You think two-thirds of the, of the states in this country are going to ratify any of that at any time? No. No, because all the lightly populated Midwestern states are all solid, solid, solid red. So good luck in Idaho and the Dakotas and Kansas and Missouri and Mississippi. You know, I mean, like, guys, this is we we tried so hard to explain it to you, and and it turned into a shouting match and a turf war. And we're still shouting and, and we're still fighting. And you said f the DNC, f the Democratic Party. It's like okay, yeah, f the party. Here's what's going to happen as an alternative. Ah, you're you're scaremongering. You're 
We're sick of your scaremongering. That's not going to happen. Okay, it's happening. Okay, here you go. It's happening. And and when once he's confirmed, and he will be confirmed, and these things work their way through the courts, I guess you'll be dumbfounded? I, 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 don't, I don't know. But I don't know what to tell you either. Um, we will keep fighting. Uh, and, I mean... We have to obviously take the House of Representatives back. It would be nice if we could take the Senate back. We have to take the presidency back. And then we have to try to pack the courts, which I doubt that the Democrats will do because they're still trying to play by the quote-unquote rules that the other side has right. completely so thrown out the window. Here's the only, the only thing we got, okay? This is it. Either we don't confirm this motherfucker... Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely, but, you know, he it's, it's uh, become clear that he may have perjured himself um, at his prior confirmation yeah, hearings. There's some that. evidence that um, <laughs> that you know that he he's not fit for the bench. Um, it, it's a long shot. I don't think it. I don't think it's possible. But I think, given the gravity of what we're talking about, and I'm not fucking around. But, I'm just being deadly serious. But here's the thing about that, Rachel. Okay, they don't confirm him. They'll find another. Then name we on the stall them for two fucking months, and we have a new fucking Congress. That's that's the With only the, way this changes. The second way, because I don't think that's happening, but that's the only way we prevent this, right? Is make fucking phone calls. I don't even fuck phone calls. Drive your ass down to your local congressperson's office and fucking protest and write letters and make phone calls and stand in their fucking office. And if you can get to D.C., get to D.C. and make a fucking fuss. I don't know that it'll work, but it's the only thing we have right now. And the second part is, I think he's going to get confirmed. I just do. Yeah, he will. That's what happens when you vote for Republicans to control everything. This is what happens. So the second thing is, there is oh, no Oh, and law. by the way, if you didn't show up to vote or you voted third party, you voted for Republicans. Yes. You voted for this. You're just, you're, you're. You did. Responsible. You did. So. End of story. There's no argument. Yell and scream at me all so, you want. You, uh, you, you did. You know what? You voted for this. Right. But what I want to say is. I welcome you back to the fold. Now that you're seeing this, come back. Come on our side. I don't. You can hate Democrats all you want. You can hate Donna Brazil. And, and, and let me clarify. You can hate everybody. If you want to hate everybody, hate everybody. It's fine. Let me clarify. That doesn't mean like you have to support the establishment Democrat in a primary. No. It means that once there is a Fuck nominee, them. you have to get behind them to yes. stop the monster. Yes. So, first of all, Enough shaming. Yeah, I, got, unless, I think I got more shaming. In unless me. you are still making the argument that, I mean, if you're still making any argument that like we should not be a united front against President Trump, then go fuck yourself. I don't care. Yeah, there's still some that are. But for those of you who didn't vote because you figured Hillary Clinton would win, you didn't really like her. And like, I, I get it. We didn't. Nobody saw this coming. Well, a lot of people did, but I didn't. Right. So if you didn't vote or you never voted or you um Whatever, I don't care. If you're if you're looking at the world and the situation that we're in right now, and you're saying this is horrifying, and I would not like to live in a world where I can't have birth control, and gentlemen, this is on you too. This reproductive rights argument. Travis and I were talking about this the other day. I do not understand why <laughs> straight men do not care more about reproductive rights. Every abortion a woman has is a kid that you don't have to pay child support for and raise. 
right? Every woman who takes birth control <laughs> is preventing a pregnancy that would result in a child that you probably don't want. So it's not a women's issue. It's a straight people who fuck issue. And men right? are half of that, right? Like, it's not... <laughs> it's like, usually... Even if you don't love women, like, you just like to fuck them or whatever, and you don't, like, consider yourself a feminist because, you know, they, like, are witches or something. Um, if you don't want to have... Every time you have sex, you don't want to have a baby come out of that, then you should care about this. If every time you bang somebody that you do not wish to have a child with from that, then you should care about this. This is, this is your issue, too. I mean, if you don't care about the bodily autonomy of women as a just basic right of, of being a human being, I hate you. But if you don't literally want to have a child every time you have sex, this should matter. Because they consider birth control and IUDs and abortion, and all, it's all the same. It's all wrapped yeah, up in one thing. It's all the same thing. to them. It's all one thing. So getting rid of abortion is one thing, but we got to get rid of that birth control and we got to get rid of those IUDs and we got to get rid of the morning after pill and we got to get rid of all of it. And they will attempt to. Yes. Do not kid yourself. Right. Right. So anyway, for the rest of you, I welcome you to come join us. I welcome you to, I wasn't political before, but now I am. Okay. Yeah. Good. We've met a lot of you. Good. Good. Welcome. No judgment. Let's do this. But we, we have to do it together. And that means we're going to have to do some things that are going to seem really crazy. And it doesn't seem to matter for the Republicans. So we're going to start doing it on our side. And that means we have to get behind things like, OK, let's say we take back Congress in November. Mm-hmm. OK. Now, that doesn't change the makeup of the Supreme Court. No. And it doesn't change who's the president. No. Immediately. We probably will impeach him. But then it's Pence, which is almost worse. So what we do is we start making it known to the people that we elect in November that we would like for them to stack the court. And what that means is to change the number of Supreme Court justices that are on the court. There is no constitutional requirement that it be nine. No, it's just kind of been that way for yes. a long time. For a long time. Didn't even start that way. No, it was five or seven. Yeah. And, and then yeah. we made it nine. So somebody else already did this. This is not a historical. This is something that can be done. And what you do is you say, we're going to change the makeup of the Supreme Court to be 11 or 13. And then you appoint three to five uh, or two to four, whatever, hyper liberal Ruth Bader Ginsburg clones to the court. And you just stack it. And you say, okay. It's not 5-4 now. It's 7-4. 7 4 progressive conservative. Because we decided. Because we won an election. And if you're going to throw at me elections have consequences, then I'm going to do the same to you. And I'm going to say, okay, well, the November election is going to have consequences too. And your illegitimate president... Ele- nominated and your bullshit Senate confirmed this motherfucker who's going to take away everything that matters to me and the rest of the people who voted us in. So we're going to make that not the case. And we're going to make the Supreme Court now 11 people and we're going to be in control. I mean, that that's that's the game. And they're going to not want to do it because they're Democrats. No, yeah, they're not. They're not. They're going to be so scared of the media blowback and Fox News yelling about it. And so and- we say, OK, if you're not going to do it, then we will primary you. And somebody else will do it. 
Yeah. You have we cannot give up the Supreme Court. I don't give a shit if it's doesn't fit norms. We're out of Norm City. Norms are gone. That's over. So if we want to protect the very real lives of of marginalized people and people that we care about and literally half the population um, and their right to bodily autonomy, then you're going to have to start putting your Democratic congressmen's feet to the fire. And you're going to have to say, no. Look, when you didn't have control, there was nothing you could do. As long as you voted against him and you gave him a really fucking hard time and you did some crazy shit, which we'll get to in a minute, fine. But now that we're in control, we're taking this shit back. We cannot have a generation of this Supreme Court. We cannot. We will lose everything that matters. Okay. We want to talk at all about Booker and Kamala Harris? Absolutely. Harris Booker 2020. (laughs) So Kamala Harris um, really put um, Kavanaugh's feet to the fire over a couple things, namely that she seems to have information or she's hinting at information that Kavanaugh has been discussing the Trump-Russia investigation with people at Trump's law firm, which would mean effectively, if it can be proven, that he really should have to recuse himself. Correct. Should the president come under any sort of legal... But he probably won't, but he probably should. I don't know. He should get disbarred if he doesn't. But he won't. He won't. So that's the thing, right? Again, this guy's just a hyper-partisan schmuck. So even if it were to come out, even if Kamala Harris, which she knows, which is why she, I think she's holding on to it, to just keep that in everybody's head and then maybe drop it at the 11th hour, if anything, mm-hmm. uh, that she has evidence to show that um, you know, Kavanaugh has been in touch with Ka- the Kasowitz Law Firm. I keep pretending he didn't know the name. Kasowitz? Kasowitz? What's that? Huh? <laughs> How do jackass. you say it? No, fucker. You know exactly what we're talking about. And, uh, yeah, and then he sort of done, he, he was very caught off guard by the question. He was just kind of like, oh, shit, deer in headlights. Yeah, I didn't and think they were going like, to release that. I thought that was going to be a thing that they didn't release. He's like, well, who are you talking about in particular? She's like, that is not the question. Did you talk to anybody at this law firm about the Trump-Russia investigation? And she was trying to get him to go on the record and say yes, so he wouldn't perjure himself, but he kind of danced out of it and said, I don't remember. He's a smart weasel. Smart-ish. I think he stepped on a lot of flaming dog poos over the, the, this week. I don't, I don't think he's been great. Uh, no. I, I think, uh, no, I don't either. Like, uh, I think Alito and Roberts were better tap dancers, uh, frankly, than this guy. Uh-huh. Um, but sure. he, you also get the air of a, that he's an arrogant prick and that he yes. knows the fixes in and it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah. um, the other thing is she, Kamala Harris has records that indicate, um, that while he was working for the George W. Bush administration, one of his opinion letters was that we should stop saying that Roe v. Wade is settled law. Yeah, that's effectively what he's saying. And then Susan, they they immediately they, put a microphone in Susan Collins' face, and she's like, "Oh no, that's not what he meant. No, that was a long time ago." Like, oh, um, God. No, he did mean that. Um, and um, <laughs> he can say whatever he wants in front of Democrats now, but if you seriously believe that this man is not going to do. There's no possibility that if any reproductive rights case comes across that fucking court, he doesn't immediately vote with Thomas and Alito. I mean, period. That's just, it's, there's no possibility. Roe v. Wade is gone. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time. And IUDs will probably be outlawed. 
Here's the other thing, I think. Okay, so also Cory Booker did a crazy thing that then turned out not to be so crazy, which and, is a whole thing. sort of crazy, I don't know. It's... He, so... He, he dared John Cornyn to expel him from the U.S. Senate. Correct. Which is great. So the other thing about these documents that we were talking about before is that not only were a lot of them not just re- released at the, you know, midnight hour, um, but a lot of them were marked confidential meaning that they could not be released to the public. So the Senate can read them, but the general public cannot because they're um, top secret, right? not confidential, top secret. And the reason for that would normally be if it had to do with national national security. security. Like if he was like, um, you know, working as counsel for like the Department of Defense and he wrote things about torture or something, right? Like that might be maybe something that we could argue about. This is not that. These are documents that have literally nothing to do with national security, which do not disclose any personal information about anyone. Um, there's literally no reason for them to be confidential or top secret, rather, other than that the Republicans don't want people to know what he thinks about social issues. Yeah. And so Cory Booker came out and said, look, um, before you get started, my office right now, my staffers are releasing these documents. And I fully understand that that may mean my expulsion from the U.S. Senate. But I dare you, after you look at these documents, which you've already looked at, after I release them to the American public and everybody gets to see what's in them, you tell me why they were marked that way. And yeah. if you want to expel me from the Senate, expel me from the fucking Senate. And then we're, and it's then an we're, act of civil disobedience, yeah. and I fully understand and accept the consequences, but this is bullshit sham. Everybody's going to see what's in these documents, and then you come here and you make a compelling case for why they were marked that way. And then the Republicans did something weird that shows they're not really on the same page. They kind of said, oh, oh... Oh, those documents? No, those were no, already released last night. Oh, he's grandstanding. Those are fine. Uh-huh. He's just uh-huh. he's just running. He's getting his presidential thing going. He's full of shit. And Booker was like, okay. Okay. And then they turned around and like, oh, wait a minute. No, some of these are pretty bad. Oh, no, he didn't. He, 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 we told him not to. Maybe we, maybe we will expel him from the Senate. Like they started going back and forth. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Like some of them were like, oh, no, those documents? I don't even know what he's talking about. We, we unclassified those last night. I don't even know why he would think they were classified. Of course they're not classified. And then the other half were like, <laughs> fuck him, expel him from the Senate. We can't have those. They're bad. And everyone, like, I was reading the Washington Post and like, Within two hours, there was like, Cory Booker does this crazy thing and everyone's freaking out. And then it was like, oh, it's not a big deal. And then it was like, oh, maybe it's a big deal. There's like four stories. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening? What the fuck no, is with these documents? He's in a no-lose situation because um, that seat, would the it would be the Democratic governor. Well, yeah, Christie's no longer governor, right? Who's, who's governor of New Jersey? And who would appoint the, the senator if he was expelled from the Senate? Well, I don't know how New Jersey law works, but... Um, uh, I don't. I don't know if if he gets appointed or if there would be a special election. But um, he is very beloved yeah. <laughs> in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, so um, having formerly been the mayor of Newark, like they wouldn't. If they want to make a martyr out of him, fine. Great. I mean, he's going to run in twenty twenty anyway. Yeah. So yeah, who he's cares? Running. He's running for sure. He should. I've loved him for. I'm such a hipster about Cory Booker. I love him so much, and I have for like ten years since he started being a politician before he even was the mayor. Um. Anyway. So, yeah, it was just a giant clusterfuck. Um, but when you look at the documents that he released, it really is like, wh- <laughs> why is this classified? 
Yeah, what, it has nothing what, to do with, it has nothing to do with anything. It's, it's opinion. His it's opinions. An, it's on his stuff. opinion about social issues that he's writing to help conservatives. I mean, that's all it is. They just don't want anybody to know that. Yeah. Um, which it's it's going to tells be controversial you and it will because put pressure on people like Collins Because people largely do not agree with the Republican Party on social no, issues. No, they don't. The majority of Americans do not agree with Republicans on social issues. That's the fact. Now, a small, you know, 30% agree vehemently and loudly and, about and these things. And donate and show up yes, to vote and, and are very do. politically active. And yeah. That's the base. That's right. the Republican base. But the, mo- the majority of the population, right, even my boss, he's this like... Used to work for the Senate, um, for a senator in D.C., for a Republican, who's like barely a Republican, by the way. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, he's, he's a great guy, like, you know, and one of our first couple weeks we were meeting and um, it, politics came up and he said, well, I, you know, I'm not for either party at this point because, you know. Whatever. Uh, they're all just, I used to be, but then like they all went crazy, which made, told me he was a Republican. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then he was like, I guess I'm a libertarian because, um, you know, I'm socially liberal, but fiscally conservative. Um, and to which I said, like, I don't want poor people to die because they're poor. But um, anyway, people like that, right? Like people who generally vote Republican, the majority of Americans are not with Republicans on social issues. Right. And so much of what comes before the Supreme Court has to do with that. Right. And so much of what we're afraid of losing are directly related to that, that they do not want these documents coming forward. They do not want 51% of the population to read that he doesn't believe Roe v. Wade is settled law. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, of course. So, anyway, um, here's the other deal regarding this. We say this a lot, but it's more important now than ever. And that is that your local governments really are the only thing that stand in the way of a lot of this. And in some cases, even they can't help you. But if they do what we think they're going to do when they overturn a lot of this um, law that we so love, is they're going to throw it back to the states. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, right? That's going to be gonna their that's make abortion be, illegal. No, they're, they're gonna going be like, to say it'll it's be a state's, states rights issue. There's no national protection for Correct. abortion rights. Correct. So what that means is who your mayor is, who your governor is, who your attorney general is, who your state congress state people reps. are, mm-hmm. state Just reps, state matters. senators, all um, matters. matter more now. I mean, they've always mattered, but right now is a pivotal time to make sure that those people represent your values because if they throw it back to the states governors especially governors mayors and state legislatures and ags are the only thing that protects any of those rights yep so state legislatures have to pass laws that say in our state abortion is legal and look in our state contraception is legal in our state gay marriage is legal hey, in look, our state immigration is a thing like like they, they have to and then you have to have a governor to sign it here in Colorado, like we're not necessarily in the clear. Like we're we're lucky it's going to probably be a good year overall for Democrats, but the governor race is going to be close. Mm-hmm. The you know the the Senate and state houses are really close. We'll keep the House. We have one seat. The Republicans have control of the Senate by one seat in our state, and we have a good chance of overtaking that. But I mean, it's close here. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> people don't realize. Like, no, we're not insulated from all of this. We're not California, right? Like, yeah. th- this is a 30-30-30 state. And you may live in a 30-30-30 state, too. And 
you may not even know it. If you're in a, what they call a swing state, you're not safe. No. That means fucking boots on the ground. Yeah. That means go figure out who your rep is, who your state senator is, who your mayor is, who's running for governor. And AG is really important in terms of law enforcement stuff. If you And are, even city council, because city councils yeah. do things like like zoning, right? And then zoning is a thing that they use to say that the the halls aren't wide enough on this mm-hmm. facility that that performs abortions. Correct. And so then you need admitting privileges in the major hospital, which is sixty miles away. Like there's so there's so many right. different things right. that go into it. Like your local law enforcement. Who who is your police chief? And who is your attorney general who says Yes or no, we are going to um, hold people past um, when they should be let out of jails to wait for ICE to come get them, which is a violation of their Fourth Amendment rights. It all matters, That's what they call a sanctuary city or a sanctuary state. That shit is local. That is our mayor and our police chief and our governor saying, fuck you, ICE. Call us a sanctuary city if you want, but we're not doing that. It all matters. And if you don't know and you don't have the time, just vote party line. Just vote fucking party line. Yes. But I'm asking Dem. you to do a little more than that. I, I am, but but at least do that. Yes. Like, vote I don't know Democrat. who the fuck these names are. Who cares? Circle the goddamn D. Yes. Okay. On that note, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about some of Trump's meltdowns and some other things going on. Also this week, uh, nope. Bob. Hold on. So, <coughs> never mind. Y'all got a uh, taste of Rachel's really mad and wants to yell about things, and I just <laughs> wanted to um, say something because I got to have a little break and I realized that um, I said things like, "It doesn't matter if we have a blue wave. It doesn't matter if we have a Congress that's Democrat. That's mm. not true." That's not what I meant, right? Of course it matters. Of course it does. Um, it's going to be harder for us to maintain the laws that these people pass. But given the alternative, right, for the midterm elections, I don't want you to think you shouldn't go vote. I don't want you to think it doesn't matter. Because we have one of two alternatives. We have... We elect a bunch of Democrats. They impeach the president. They hold accountable bad actors in this administration. And they pass really good laws. And we have to fight our way through the courts. And maybe we lose at the Supreme Court because of Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. The alternative to that, if Republicans maintain the Congress after the midterms, is that they pass a bunch of really bad laws. And then those laws get upheld by the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. So it matters intensely. I didn't mean to say it doesn't matter who's elected. It matters. It matters the most. This election is the most important election of your lifetime, probably for the rest of your lifetime. 
because we can either have people who want to do the right thing and protect marginalized communities, and maybe we lose some battles because of this Supreme Court nomination and likely confirmation, or we can have a bunch of people who are awful and hate us and pass really, really bad laws and then have the Supreme Court be a body that upholds those laws even though they're unconstitutional. So it matters the very most that we have this blue wave. It matters the very most that you go vote. And it matters the very most that we have Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate and local politics and all of that. So I just want to be really clear about that, right? Yeah. Okay, moving on. So Bob Woodward wrote a book about Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Bob Woodward, if you are like, that name sounds familiar. He's the guy um, who with Bernstein... uh, Unraveled Watergate and got much, yeah. Nixon um, resigned because of his incredible journalistic. If you haven't seen it, called All the President's Men. Oh, it totally holds up. By the way, oh god, we watched it, it like so what, a couple well. years ago, and it was like this is a fucking great movie. No, for a couple months ago. Yeah, it's it. so good. Yeah. Watch it if you haven't seen it. But yeah, Bob Woodward. Can I ask? Okay, so you wrote this book, right? He's got hundreds of hours of people on tape. Yeah, he tapes his interviews. That's very common because he's a journalist. Yeah. And he's really he's, good at well, being he's very, one. <laughs> here's the thing about Woodward, and this is why Republicans are struggling with, and they didn't quite know what to do with it the first day or so. Uh, first of all, the book is basically Michael Wolff's book, yes. except it's written by Bob Woodward. And it's <laughs> so with, everything Michael Wolff said about the chaos and the administration and Trump's an idiot and everybody thinks Trump's an idiot and it's a headless chicken and it's batshit chaos is all accurate. And Bob Woodward. It's just Bob yeah. Woodward's a better journalist, and so yeah. he has all these hundreds of hours of recordings of people saying it, um, because he's not about to let somebody call him fake news. Which they're trying to do now anyway, but uh, that's the thing. Bob Woodward is very, very, very meticulous. Yes. He double, triple checks his sources. He's records. like the Mueller of journalists. Yeah. yeah. Right? That, that's why he has the reputation he has. Right. Now, he pisses some people off, and he was he did not like... Barack Obama. He was very critical of Obama. In, really? In, oh, yeah. Why? Yeah. Uh, he he thought uh, Obama was a little too extrajudicial ju- and imperialistic That's in fair. some of the things he did. Um, he also kind of gave Woodward the cold shoulder. Woodward takes these things personally. The man has well, an ego. Hold on. Okay. He also got a lot of criticism because he wrote a couple books on G.W. Bush, and one of them was kind of flattering. It was a Bush and the Iraq War, and it was a little, you know, it was um, a little ask-sing-ish. Then he wrote a second book of when the war was falling apart, and it was much less flattering. Uh, but nobody, like, sort of questioned the veracity of the quotes and the information he right. was presenting. The journalistic integrity no, of this man no. has never been questioned. No. Because it shouldn't be. Yeah. Because above all else, he takes that shit real seriously. Yeah. But Bob Woodward hasn't been without controversy, and he certainly has pissed all kinds of people off from all stripes. Which, as a journalist, probably is a badge of honor. It, it can be. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, I'll say if that. you piss off everybody, then that means that you're not biased. Yeah. In- well, I know Obama don't like him. <laughs> well, that's fine with me. You know, we're going to get to Obama in a minute. But anyway, but- the, the book is a horror show, but it's kind of nothing we haven't heard at the same time. But it's... So interesting that, I don't know, for me, it just held more, I think I'm among many people. Yeah, it held more um, 
uh, I don't know, weight. Like, I was like, oh. Like, I already knew all of that and I believed all of it. But, like, he's interviewed all of these people and and he's got tapes of it. And, and it's I just believe it to be true in a way that, like, maybe I other journalists I don't. I don't know. Well, that's the I, thing about this White House, too, is that, oh, boy, do they love to talk about how terrible the boss yeah. is. Yeah. I mean, but that, if you look at any, like, dysfunctional workplace, that's, like, totally a thing. Well, that was the shot from earlier in the week. The chaser was somebody high-ranking within the administration wrote an anonymous op-ed uh, to the New York Times about how crazy and awful Trump is. Well, and the New York Times doesn't usually post um, or publish anonymous op-ed pieces. Right. But they said that they have they know who this person is. They've confirmed this person's identity and that the fact that they wrote this, that it is, in fact, a high-ranking White House official, mm-hmm. um, and that they chose to do this because the information they thought was you know, necessary for the public to consume. Essentially. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm sure most of you have read it. If you haven't, it's, uh, we love all the things that this guy said. Essentially, a guy could be a woman, but essentially it said, we love everything Trump's doing, like with taxes and immigration, but he's also probably going to start World War Three, and he's an idiot and he wants to do all the stupid shit. And we literally have to steal documents off his desk to keep him from writing terrible laws. And it's like. And, and there's okay. an adult in the room. Don't worry. There's <laughs> yeah, an don't. adult. That's literally a quote from the article. There is an adult in the room. And we are um, sort of uh, preventing the worst impulses of this garbage person who's the president. So don't worry. Yeah. And so you want to unpack that for I us, do. Rachel? The, really, I do. The enormity of what all of that means? I do, and so does Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah. I read it, and my first like just gut reaction was, holy shit. Because I believe the New York Times knows who this person is, and I believe that this person is a high-ranking official in the White House. Sure, I of believe course it that. is. They didn't make it up. No, yeah. they didn't just let some like fucking troll write something and be like, oh, I'm John Kelly. Um. So, <laughs> my second, re- my first reaction was like, holy shit, that's amazing. My second reaction, which when I thought about it a little bit more, is this is some bullshit. This is some fucking bullshit. This is a propaganda piece by the White House to assuage the sort of anxiety of the nation about how awful this president is by saying, don't worry, it's all going to be fine. And when you think about what that means, what you're saying is we are past the point of coming up to a constitutional crisis and fully in one. Because what we're saying is the president of the United States is not in control of his own administration, and there are unelected officials that are choosing which orders and which things the president wants to do, um, choosing to do them or not do them, And we're supposed to feel better about that. We're supposed to feel like, oh, thank God, at least we know. Yeah, oh, it's so good. It's so good that somebody is in charge up there. Like, this is, I understand the the impulse to be like, oh, thank God, because that's my first reaction. But my second reaction was, wait a, wait a, wait a fucking minute. That's not how this works. That is not how how any any of of this this works. works. 
You don't get to have unelected people that have no transparency and no accountability that are literally anonymous run the executive branch of government. Not in this country. Not in this country. I mean, it was basically an op-ed saying, don't worry, there's been a military. There's been a coup. So it's going to be fine. So everything's under control. Okay. No, no, (laughs) no, it's not okay with me. I mean, and you and I had this conversation in the car of like, but it's better. Well, and it's like, no, no, it's not better. No, what I meant was in terms of just a zero sum game, like. In terms of just like really harsh practicality, just like, yeah, certainly anyone other than Trump making decisions is better. However, we didn't elect. Uh, I didn't elect some anonymous dude. We didn't elect Dan Coates president or John, John Kelly, Kelly president or, or Kellyanne Conway president no. or whoever it was that penned this. Kind of doesn't matter, right? No. What they're saying is I, it's there has been a coup. Military. There has been a coup. The president is not in charge. So don't worry. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Now, that yeah. person. In the United States of America. Yeah. That, that is what happened. And. As much as you might hate Donald Trump, and trust me, I hate him more than can be properly um, explained. Um, I don't know who this person is. I don't know what their agenda is. I don't know what they believe. I don't know what their policy positions are. I don't ever get to know because they weren't elected and they are anonymous and they are not held to any sort of accountability or transparency i don't know i don't know if it's better or not i don't want generals running my country i don't want a military coup that's the last thing i want i don't that this is everyone was like sigh of relief and i was like or like clanging alarm bells holy fucking shit we just had a fucking coup in the new york times yeah the president's not in charge we just choose which of the orders he gives to follow and which not to. But that it's scary on several levels, right? Let me t- let me let me try to unpack this a little more because you can look at it one of two ways. You could look at it as holy shit there's been a coup, that's bad. You could look at it as holy shit a coup was necessary because the president is that reckless he could like yeah. start a nuclear war because he's in a bad mood, that's bad. Uh problem number 3 is there could be they could put that mutiny down and find out. And then like, it will really just be like Stephen Miller and Betsy DeVos and Trump in charge. And like, they will maybe root out all the, the people who are trying to stop it. The adults and that's in the room. really bad. Yeah. So like, but no, the, it's all bad. It's all really, really bad. All of those things are true at the same time. We can hold all of those things to be true. Mm-hmm. But, and we kind of laugh cause we have to, but to it's, keep this our sanity. is an absolute, constitutional crisis yes that's all that you can say this is an exception of the constitution this is this is not how it works and for it to be publicly said in the new york times and everyone's like oh thank god it's like what are we doing <laughs> what the fuck Way are we doing through the looking glass <clears throat> look, uh, look let and, me and it feels like a propaganda piece to me it feels like oh, look all yeah. of this shit is going on and everybody's freaked out and so this is an attempt by the administration to say you know 
I know Trump's fucking crazy and we never should have elected him, but don't worry. Like it's it's to like just make mm. everybody that sort of in the middle feel better. But for people that mm. like are connected to any politics in any way or like ha- have any sense of the constitution or how the country is supposed to work, <laughs> this is alarming and terrifying and not okay. And crazy. And cra- it's fucking crazy. And what about the, the precedent of it, right? Like are we going to normalize now saying like if your advisors just kind of decide – it doesn't matter who you elect because whoever they appoint to be their advisors are the people really running the government. That probably has been true for a long time. Uh, in some in cases. In some cases. Yeah. I mean, there was that like case Woodrow back in Wilson the day, Woodrow Wilson coma, and his wife took went, over. In the latter and, days of Nixon. Yeah. And getting senile and weird and probably Reagan. Yes, but, you know, it, it shouldn't. To come out and say the president is fucking crazy and we don't listen to him. We're just doing this on our own, so don't worry. That's just not. Like, no, no. And I sort of love uh, yeah, Wilson's like, wife, again, uh, by the way. But yeah. And it's, again, who the hell are you? Who are you? I don't know who you are. I don't know what your motives are. I don't uh, know what your agenda I, I, I is. Got, I got five paragraphs from the New York Times. And now you're the de facto president, yes. history person. Yeah. Okay. And, and we're all supposed to go, okay. Oh, great. At least it's not Trump. No. No. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? Who's running the government? Who's in charge? We, le- we supposedly live in a representative democracy, which means that the people get to elect the people that govern them. And apparently that's not true anymore. No. Literally, like, the, the bedrock of our country's Republic is not true. They just said, no, the people you elect don't actually matter and don't worry about it. It's crazy. It's, it's beyond anything I've ever seen. And I am with you. The first reaction I had was like, fucking Christ, at least it's not Trump. But no, then that, you that's like, not really the think first about, reaction That's I my had. first reaction. And then, I, and then I was like, wait. Well, my first reaction was, holy shit. No, my first reaction was very deep cynicism. My first reaction was... Somebody is setting themselves up for life after the administration not to be a pariah. Sure. Yeah. For but a the, book deal. But and who cares about any of that? I don't give a shit. No, I The point I don't. of the article was not that. The no. The point was true. we need to make people feel like Trump's not in charge. <laughs> we, because people are really anxious about him being in charge. Sure. So we need to make people feel better about the fact that he's not actually in charge, which does not make me feel better. Well, can it I? It makes me feel like this is... Can I can I can I can I pivot to something real quick? Of course. I think that it is. I think the world, <laughs> at, at large, is starting to treat Trump like the the toddler having a tantrum in the grocery store that he is. And mm-hmm. I want to give you a couple examples of this. So to this and the Woodward book, he's he's run out on Twitter and. Of course, there was the audio of the phone call that Woodward had with him where Trump oh lied God. and said, oh, I never got your call. Oh, I guess I did. Why he didn't wasn't quoted for the book. Well, and he said that was interesting, but I really thought it was interesting that he was like, look, you're a great journalist. You've always been really fair and like even handed. And I really like respect you. And and then, you know. At, I don't know that he knew he was being... No, he did know. Woodward said, yeah, Woodward I'm recording said, I'm you. Recording. And he yeah, was like, that's oh, that's fine. fine. That's fine. I have nothing to hide. It's fine. And he said, like, you're, you know, you're a great journalist and I really respect you. You've always been really fair. And, like, you're, you know, you're great. So it's another bad book. Oh, well. And then, like, the media got a hold of it and 
you know, it's really bad. And then he <laughs> was like, he oh, fake news. Bob Woodward's a hack who fucking tried made, to made it, made all, it all up. Yeah. And none of this. But nobody, but nobody believes that. No. Nobody believes for a second that Bob Woodward made anything up. No. And, and Trump's starting to become the boy who cried wolf. Well, that's, yes. That's what I was going to get to. Like he said, okay, what we need to do is have light. And Rianne Paul jumped on this too. Lie detectors. Everybody in the okay, in, polygraph tests are bullshit. Polygraph tests ahead. are bullshit, but everybody's got to take a lie detector test so we can figure out who who wrote the memo and Woodward's lying and and this is treason and mm-hmm. why doesn't Jeff Sessions mm-hmm. do this and do that and do mm-hmm. this and do that mm-hmm. and you know reporters are still reporting on all these tweets breathlessly and I'm kind of like why because here's the reality every time he demands Jeff Sessions do something. Like, go start the Hillary investigation or go arrest Barack Obama or go arrest somebody or, <laughs> right, or, or go interrogate all the White House staff. Jeff Sessions doesn't do anything because no. the only things Jeff Sessions do is that Trump demands if it already overlaps with the horrible racist things that Jeff Sessions is already doing. That Correct. has nothing to do with Trump. Correct. Jeff Sessions. So, why do we treat these? tantrums as if they have if they're anything more than because that. it's the president of the united states yes but the president is a feckless moron and that doesn't but i hear <laughs> i hear what you're saying but like you're asking reporters to not cover the president of the united states saying that we should um no, invest I, I mean it's it's I, I, fucking I guess, newsworthy I, like that's I, crazy I, I guess they have to like, like, <clears throat> they do i people should know that he said that People need to know that he fucking that's said not, that. That's not all the crazy shit he said this week. He said NBC's license should be pulled. Yeah, and, he wants to start pulling uh, uh, press credentials and and uh, public air um, from media he doesn't agree with, which is just like, I don't know, the 17th step down dictatorship that we're on. Which, yes, by the way, if you guys are waiting for like a big bombshell, we're like 17 steps but down. But it's not happening is my point, Rachel. Nobody is doing that. Nobody is gonna is lifting a finger within his administration or the Justice Department or even the FCC of, of doing any of these things. And they're doing lots of horrible shit. Don't get me wrong. Right. That's but, true. But that's e- fair. Every time Trump has a tantrum and says, go pull NBC's license, go slap the cuffs on Hillary Clinton because I'm mad at her today. Uh, go uh, go! force everybody in the Oval to take a polygraph, nobody is taking Does him anything. up on that. You're right. No, you're and then, right. And then he forgets about it and moves on, which was exactly in in what Bob Woodward's book and in the op-ed. Yes. So he gets really mad and demands we do something, and then by the afternoon he forgets about it. So... Which is a sign of, I think, narcissism and dementia, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a combo right. deal. Beautiful. It's literally... Grandpa is in the home and ranting about the kids on the lawn that he saw 20 years ago. And then he forgets. And, we're, and what's supper? And he forgets. And what's for dinner? And I, I have to, my depends on me changing. Like, like mm-hmm. th- that's that's the president right now. Yeah. And that's bad, but that's the reality. And so every time it's like uh, I still see I, I kind of laugh at these tweets. But I guess the scary part is if one one day like Jeff Sessions is like, oh, shit, OK, maybe I will do this. Or, or the FCC does fuck with NBC's license. But. Or he signs an executive order that says you have to. <laughs> They'll just, no, don't worry. Our, our secret guy will pull that paper off the paper desk. Paper off the desk and toss it and hopefully you'll forget about it. That's not how democracy works. That's not how this works. I can't depend on that guy. What if that guy gets fired? He's like, oh, uh, there's lots of us. Like, no, fuck you. I don't can't. No, no, no. And I, I don't doubt that, but that's not the issue. <laughs> no, that's not. Right? <clears throat> there was some funny tweet that I saw that has 
been retweeted 8 million times comparing it to Star Wars where it's like oh remember that epic scene when you know Luke knows that the Emperor is really terrible and bad but decides to let him stay in power and writes a powerful op-ed piece about how he didn't he's not really in charge like you know it's like that would be Darth Vader writing the op-ed I mean it's like no it's just no no you guys no no do not do not feel heartened by this do not feel better about this no. feel much worse about yeah. everything yeah that his literal like I uh. It's so awful. So uh, in that vein, um, Barack Obama uh, did a thing this week, which was... And even Charlie Pierce was like, oh, I never expected Obama to be that partisan. And it's like, dude... Oh my God, he's a Democrat. Past partisan. What? What the fuck does that even mean? He was the Democratic president of the United States for eight years. It was less partisan than the op-ed from the guy who works in the Trump administration. I mean, what almost. the fuck? Okay, so Barack Obama Barack was Barack Obama given... didn't call for a coup. No, he wasn't like, feel heartened. There are people in there. They're going to stop him. No, he wasn't like... So, so okay, so I watched um, the entire hour and 11 minute speech that he gave. This I was at not. the University of Illinois. Yeah. He was being given um, the university's award for ethics in politics, which was a direct slam sure, right, at yeah. Trump. And it was um, That's another thing I want to talk about before about. a bunch of students um, who were graduating uh, or will be graduating or did graduate. I don't know. It's just a bunch of fucking college kids. And uh, uh, it's the first time that I've ever heard Barack Obama be like, this is fucked. And use President Trump's name specifically to be like, but he didn't do it in like a way like, He's Obama, right? So he's like the best fucking orator of a generation, at least. And he's talking about like how, you know, Trump didn't start this, right? Yeah. That like, and he's specifically like Obama since the election. And he said he explains he's like, people have been asking me, why haven't I been more involved? Why haven't I been more um, engaged? And he's like, you know, I did what all what the what the norms of our society and our, our democracy require, which is that I step back and allow the new president who was elected by the American people to come forward and I allow new ideas to come forward and I don't interfere. And that's a long history in our society of doing. Right. Talked about George Washington and how George Washington could have been king and could have just made himself, you know, had all powerful. Well, his supporters wanted him to. They did. They just, and they, and the he king didn't. Now. And he said, no, that's no, not how no, no, this no, works. No, that's not how this works. We need to write a constitution <laughs> yeah. and we need to have a thing. And then they elected him the president and he said, okay. And then he had two terms and he said, I'm done with this. By the way, back then, electing the president was like eight white guys with powdered wigs in a room. Right. Well, that's beyond the point. Yeah. George Washington set the standard for two terms because he could have been president for life and then he could have appointed the next person, right? He could have subverted the democracy that we have today. He was the person who said, this is not how this works. We have to allow a new person to come in. And he talked about that and he talked about, you know, the sort of the history of, of democracy in our country and, um, then he got into, you know, the Dixiecrats and the Republicans of Abraham Lincoln and racial uh, inequality and slavery and Jim Crow and how, you know, that all of that leading up to and including the time that we're in and how, you know, 
basically Barack Obama came out and said racism is what drove this president to be the president. And and that he didn't invent it, but that the Republican Party has allowed itself to slip over the last, you know, 20, 30, 40 years to to allow for mm-hmm. this kind of racist dog whistling and that when you get somebody who's as unhinged as Trump coming in, you just don't dog whistle anymore and you just say it out loud and that that that's where we are. I mean, he was just m- more... He's the Barack Obama you always wanted him to be when he was being too much of a politician about something. <laughs> right? He just wasn't. Yeah, unleashed. Yeah. I mean, he just said plainly, like, this is where we are, and this is why. And it's about race, and it's about inequality, and it's about all of those things, and it's about people who think that something's being taken away from them when it hasn't. It's all the things that we've been saying forever. And he, And then the biggest driving home point that he made was, talking to all these college kids and saying, look, your generation is larger than any other generation currently that exists. Therefore, you have more power than any of us. Doesn't seem like that. However, the reason it doesn't seem like that and the reason that no one talks about your issues or takes you seriously or listens to you is because one in five of you voted in 2016. Not two in five, not three in five, one in five, right? So if you want your generation to make an impact, the the greatest impact of any generation that currently lives on earth right now, your generation can have the largest impact in this upcoming election, and all you have to do is vote. That's it. All of you. Not one in five. <clears throat> Shit, even if we got three and five. Two and five. Their generation would be the deciding factor. It's 30 minutes, right? That's what he said, 30 minutes for the future of our democracy. And then he said this. He said, I believe your generation, your generation could be the, because we're at a tipping point, right? Like our democracy mm-hmm. is on shaky fucking ground and like there's no, like it could go the other way. Mm-hmm. You could be the generation that saves us from that. That could be the legacy of your generation, is that you came out and you saved our fucking democracy. You saved the republic by voting. But you have to fucking vote. Yeah. And I mean, it was amazing. And if you have an hour and 11 minutes, if you're like cleaning the house or cooking something or doing something or just like at work reading emails, listen to it. It's extraordinary. Let's pivot uh, and talk a little bit about Colin Kaepernick and yes. the new Nike yes. ads and uh, conservatives burning their own expensive <laughs> athletic gear sometimes while wearing it. Because uh, that all happened this week, too. It did. Um, in short, Nike, uh, Colin Kaepernick is still out of work. If you don't right. know who he is, just to Google. I'm not, you do, I'm not for going, fuck's sake. I'm not going all the way back like a Vox Planer and explaining who Colin Kaepernick is at this point. But if you he, listen to us, you know who he is. Uh, I think it was also this week, or it might have been last week, that a judge decided the collusion trial for the NFL can go forward. Yes, correct. So there's that. That was last week, yep. That was last week. Yep. And, uh, Which, what, what that means is that Colin Kaepernick um, 
asserts that the NFL blackballed him, blackballed so, him so he couldn't get a job, and that's illegal. Because of the kneeling thing, it was yep. too controversial, and yep. I think he's absolutely correct. And there was controversy about whether or not that would be, like, have standing. And the judge was like, yep, has standing, which means, yes, this can be a case that we will go forward to trial. So yep. that's really good. Yeah, yeah so Nike uh, decided to hire him as their spokesperson, mm-hmm. um, which they've done to for a lot of people over the years, including Michael Jordan, back when it was controversial to have black athletes be the sponsor of anything. That's crazy. That is so Um, bizarre. (laughs) I can't. Yeah, there was uh, all this controversy around Air Jordans and how um, they should be boycotted and Nike should be blackballed. That is so bizarre, because you have to understand, for me growing up, I got so sick of Michael Jordan so fast because it, it was everywhere. Right, but that's because of Nike, because they said, fuck you. Yeah. He's an extraordinary athlete, and we're going to fucking make a pair of shoes, and now, really, you don't like it? We're going to make a bunch well, the, of pairs of shoes. Well, then it would, then it became his own brand. Air yes. Jordans are their own right. brand. But but Nike started that, so this yeah. is not new for them. Yeah. Um, and let's, you know, be realistic. This is about selling shoes and about corporations wanting to be on the right side of history, and Nike yes. has a history of that. Yes, um, yes. This is a boardroom full of old white men who decided this. Yes. Don't think it wasn't for a second. And probably some young white men, too. Uh, okay, uh, sure. But... Mostly old white men. Because this... You know, but they, this is a calculated risk for them. They understand that this is going to piss people off. Some people, yes. But those people don't, they don't care about those people. Uh, well, also, those people have already bought their product. And they're going to die soon. So, like, <laughs> they want me and you, right? They want people who are young and have expendable income and care about things like shoes. We don't have that much expendable income. Right, but you know what I mean. (laughs) So anyway. You're lumping me in with those people? People started. So Nike announces this, right, before the commercial came out. And it's this, like, picture of Colin Kaepernick saying, uh, and and then there's this, like, white um, text over it that says, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything, which is just lovely. And then conservative whatever you call them just went ape shit. Yes, because Colin Kaepernick for some reason doesn't support the troops and the cops because literally all he did was take a knee during the national anthem. Well, they don't even relate it to the cops, right? The conservative backlash against Colin Kaepernick is that he's, um, by kneeling during the anthem, he is anti-troops and anti-America. That doesn't make any sense. Now, of course. It's not just that it doesn't make sense, it's just not true. He's been really succinct about why he's doing it, and that is to protest police brutality and the murder of black men, unarmed black men by police. Yes. Period. Mm -hmm. This has nothing to do with troops or war or the military or veterans or the country or anything else. No, that's kind of their go-to when any time you you protest something, then they say, why don't you support the troops? You're terrible. Right, and so this, like, really great, like meme has been going around for a long time now that says like America is so racist that when you protest racism it is seen as un-American <laughs> yeah, yeah that's it right I mean that's the that's that's drilled down the, to its basic level that's the truth the commercial itself is really kind of standard fair like, I loved it be a great volleyball uh, player but I loved great... it he showed all these I, disabled I people and I, all yes. these people of color and he called Serena Williams the greatest athlete of all time which is fucking true yes and I loved it but there wasn't was anything great. crazy or subversive that's because there's nothing the... crazy or subversive about what he wants to say of course but now that let's talk about the uh, conservatives burning their own yes. merchandise they paid for Correct. So they've already purchased Nike products, yes. and they are now doing one of two things: cutting 
the swoosh is that what they call it or the yeah. swoop swoosh 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 off of their clothes which just I guess leaves like a nipple hole or something <laughs> um, or like you just ruined Big a perfectly good sock. pair of sneakers or burning the product okay this is white people do not know how to fucking protest or boycott things when you've already paid a company for something and then you destroy that thing that is now your property because you paid for it it does not hurt that company right yeah so if I go buy a pair of Nike shoes and then make a video of me burning them what did that do to Nike it gave them like a hundred dollars <laughs> right I didn't like go rob a Nike warehouse and burn all the shoes oh, no I paid fire, I yeah. paid for a pair of shoes giving that company money and then I made a video of me burning them because that'll show them. Or you didn't buy it to do that. You already owned it. So your right. own product but that I you ostensibly al- use. already paid for it. it <laughs> how does this hurt Nike? It doesn't. No, they do this shit all the time. And sometimes it's really expensive stuff. There was the Yeti coolers. Nike shoes are fucking expensive. That were really expensive. Usually, yeah. There were the, there was the Keurigs. The Sean Hannity people started destroying their Keurigs. I mean. For I, some reason. I, okay. And even Hannity had to be like, stop. Destroying your Keurigs, you idiots. You already paid for it. What are you doing? What is, they just don't know what, how... They, they think... And the funny thing is they think we will get really mad. No, Not, not really great. Nike. No, They right. think we will get really mad. The, lib the liberals. To yeah. own the libs, I'm going to destroy my own personal... Property and we try to egg them on more. And, and like you said, like, uh, you know, what was going on on Twitter was like, hey, look, if you're really pissed off, burn your Nike shoes while you're wearing them. And if somebody did, you said? Yeah. I don't know if it's true or not, but there was this Twitter post of this fucking old white dude uh who was like you know take a picture of my burn my nikes and then like he's wearing them and he like, sets them on fire and then like a couple of hours later he's like i'm in the hospital and he just has feet that are burned I, 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 i'm I sure that that's a real. troll like i can't yeah. believe that that's true but also i can't possible. believe that you would burn your own shoes on your own feet i don't know i mean <laughs> anything is fucking possible okay they're so just really bad at this mostly they, they are now all right before we go I also want to comment on a Trump did an interview with the Daily Caller which is just a full on white supremacist website at this point point. Mm-hmm. and in that <laughs> oh, <this>. he said <laughs> that he has hundreds of pictures yes of Bob Mueller and Jim Comey making out making out kissing he has um, hundreds of pictures of Jim Comey and Bob and Mueller and nobody kind of questioned him or pushed him on that really what he meant they quickly moved on to something else and nobody else really unpacked it. Twitter was just kind of like, okay, what Grandpa said another crazy thing. Moving on. And we were speculating. We were being really generous. We were like, maybe he's saying you can make things up with yeah, like I Photoshop that, and like all this new technology. Right, right. I think that's what he was trying well, to say. We, I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, it's possible. I think to know. we gave him more credit than he deserved. We, we, you and I were like, maybe that's what he's trying to say. And then you go back <laughs> and you look at it and you're like. I don't think so. I think he was saying literally that he has photos of Jim Comey and Bob Mueller making out to prove that they're in collusion and not him. And they're also gay because gay panic. Right. And, so, and, and if you make him gay, then even better. Like, and it's just like, what the fuck is happening? I, I would love to see those photos if they exist. I mean, I hope they exist. <laughs> be great. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I would love it if they existed. I would post them on my Twitter feed right now because that would be like, so where, where fucking would snap amazing. these pictures like they go out on the town in DC like Georgetown bars and make just out. Just like making out at a bar. I've done that. 
would love to see that so much. Please, if those photos You're exist, send mother. them to me. I will fucking oh, paper okay. the internet with that shit. I will, because that would be fucking great. Well, on that note, uh, we're out of time. Okay. So send us the uh, send us the model or Comey making out photos, Do please, it. to irreverentestimony@gmail.com or uh, tweet them to us at at irreverentduo. Uh, I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. Stay active, stay tuned, stay involved. Talk to you next week. Bye.